a new year. And the media always like to trot out the best of award shows and retrospective looks back. Okay, we're players. We'll play too. For the next hour, from the press box to press row, we'll be looking back at some of the highlights of our short time on the air. And because he's sitting behind the good mic in a custom-fit blazer, here's your host, Donald Ware. It is our 2019 year-end review show here on From the Press Box to Press Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Hope you had a wonderful Hanukkah, wonderful Kwanzaa. It is the holiday season and had a great time. You know, it, it was good to just be off uh, for a couple of days, not doing much of anything, just sort of relaxing. And Christmas was absolutely wonderful. Um, food was great. and uh, Just had an absolutely wonderful, wonderful time. It's a great time of year and just, you know, sort of sort of gives you a chance to kind of sit back uh, and relax a little bit. Also reflect as we are right upon 2020. So uh, all of the music from today's show is going to be reflective of 2019. And got to say congratulations to the North Carolina A&T Aggies, three times over HBCU national uh, champions. Uh, Great football game, a shootout, as a matter of fact, in Atlanta last Saturday. A&T wins that game 64-44. to And uh, I tell you what, uh, uh, Khalil Carter, the quarterback for A&T, absolutely spectacular in that football game. Was something like 18 of 30, was like 600, I'm sorry, 18 of 30, 364 yards, I believe, six touchdowns, no interceptions. He also rushed for like 96 yards in the ball game. Uh, You know, John Main Martin was uh, was solid in excess of 100 yards rushing. Uh, And I'll tell you what, I was impressed uh, with Felix Harper, first time having an opportunity to see him play in person. That guy is really, really good. Left-handed quarterback, great on his 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 drop is deep. You know, he's got that seven-step drop. Um, I think early on, all cor- give A&T a lot of credit. A&T was able to put a lot of pressure on Felix Harper early, so he was not able to get settled in um, and. Uh, A&T was ahead 24 to 10 at halftime, but uh, as Fred McNair does, uh, as well as any other coach made some second, his coaching staff made some second half adjustments. Uh, A&T not able to put as much pressure on Felix Harper uh, and uh, guys were open and he was completing passes. So basically uh, you come out of the second half. Jamaine Martin has a 75 yard touchdown run that puts A&T up 31 to 10. And then from there, it just went tit for tat. Uh, Alcorn State uh, would would respond and A&T would score. Alcorn State would respond. It went on like that to the fact that 49 points, 49 points, 49 were scored in the third quarter alone. And that doesn't even count the fact that Alcorn State answered uh, about 90 seconds into the fourth quarter. Uh, Ultimately, Alcorn State found itself down by 11 and was looking to get the extra point to make it 10. The extra point, the snap was bad. A&T recovered, ran it back the other way, scored two points. And I think that was the turning point in the football game because the tit-for-tat scoring 
stopped at that moment. And ultimately, A&T won the game about 20 points. But, I mean, you're not going to get, you know, a, a, a much better football game uh, than that. I think it was, you know, arguably, at least in my opinion, I thought it was the most exciting of all of the celebration bowls. All of them were close. That was the, the one that wasn't the closest but it still was close but it was the most exciting like the first one was really exciting um you had you know you had great runs really when you think about Tariq Cohen and what he was able to do in terms of really really taking that game over but then Lenore's footman led Alcorn State to a great drive you talk about last year's game that was super close a controversial uh, two-point conversion uh, by Alcorn State that looked uh, appeared you know, at first glance to be the, like the Braves uh, converted, but ultimately it was overturned. I mean, we've had some great, great games, but from an excitement standpoint, if you like offense, you like this football game. And you had 1,805,000 people that watched that football game. Now, when you look at the numbers uh, from a perspective of uh, the viewership, it was the least amount of people that had watched any of the previous four celebration bowls. But when you look at it from a, a, a uh, an attendance standpoint, you had, you know, in excess of 35,000 uh, at that game. Uh, you know, the attendance goes up. But again, as, as people have pointed out, you know, you had National Football League games on, so on and so forth. But I think the 1.8, I mean, I still think the 1.8 number um, it, it's a it's a good number. I think for that game, it's a good number. Now, if you look at it in, in the totality of what uh, that number means in terms of television ratings, um, you know, you're not going to have a lot of uh, a lot of networks, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, not only networks, but a, a lot of, uh, you know, cable channels, if you will, that'll be happy with that number per se. Uh, but for that particular game um, at that time, I mean, that, those are some pretty good numbers to have in excess of 1.8 million people watching that football game. So that sort of summarizes the uh, the the celebration bowl. And again, A&T winning the HBCU National Championship. You can log on to our website at BoxToRow.com to see the final HBCU coaches and media polls um, as well. So let's kick things off here on the 2019 year end review show. We're going to kick things off looking at the month beginning in June. Frenchman Simon Paginaw won the Indianapolis 500, becoming the first Frenchman to do so since 1920. And at the beginning of June, we had Simon Paginaw talking about winning the Indianapolis 500. Here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The biggest spectacle, not only in racing, but really in, in all of sports. Your thoughts, when you crossed that finish line, because it was a battle towards the end, what were your thoughts when you crossed that finish line as the winner? Uh, I mean, it was, um, obviously, I cried. <laughs> I cried a little bit on the, on the, the uh, after the checkered flag because, uh, you know, I started, I started dreaming about the Indianapolis 500 when I was uh, six, seven years old and, I remember watching Rick Mears in 91 winning the race and thinking I wanted to be in that car. So now I get to drive a, a Tim Penske car and to, I got to drive it uh, to the finish line in the, in the biggest race in the world. So my, my fittings were just that it was almost 
Hard to believe, but uh, it was the sweetest moment in my life. And especially to win it, it had been, uh, since uh, I mentioned, of course, since 1920. So you're talking about 99 years since a, uh, a fellow Frenchman had won it. What did that mean to you? Well, it's just pride. You know, I'm very proud to represent my uh, my country so well and fly the, the French flag so high. We've, we've had some very tragic events with the burning of Notre Dame uh, Cathedral in Paris uh, lately. So it's just great to be able to bring some smiles on people's face uh, with sports. It's amazing uh, to think about, you know, I left France about 13 years ago to come here and, and try to pursue the American dream. And um, that all worked out for me perfectly with a, a warm welcome by American people. And it's just great today to uh, tell France we, that we've won the biggest race in the world. Absolutely. And in leaving uh, France 13 years ago to come here and do your thing. I mean, you've had a lot of success of of success, ultimately winning the whole thing in 2016. Let's talk a little bit about the race. Give us your thoughts, because I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I want to use the word dominated, but I mean, you you were really, really good and took control of this race early on. Yeah, the goal, the car was so good all month that uh, our strategy was just to attack uh, from the get go and take control of the race and basically own our own destiny. Uh, that was really the goal, and we did that uh, early on to see to see how, if people were going to follow us and uh, adopt the same kind of strategy. And then toward the end, we realized we had to save a little bit of fuel uh, finally, but uh, it all paid off really well, obviously. Uh, being on the attack was the right way to go. Simon Paginot ended up finishing second in the 2019 IndyCar Series, but again, winner of the Indianapolis 500 joined us in the month of June. You know, in July, we really get things going with the HBCU football season. Um, you have, matter of fact, in July, all, uh, when you're talking about the CIAA, SIAC, MEAC, and SWAC, all have their respective media days. And uh, we had uh, a we had a special uh, program that we did uh, in Durham, North Carolina, where uh, we had, uh, of the 10 schools uh, that play HBCU football, seven of those coaches uh, were at uh, our countdown to kick off. It was a lot of fun. And to hear those interviews, you can log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. All seven uh, of those interviews uh, are up. And it was a pretty good season when you look at the state of North Carolina. Pretty solid season anyway uh, when you look at the state of North Carolina uh, and its schools uh, that play HBCU football, especially, obviously, when you look at A&T, uh, when you look at what Shaw uh, was able to do. Um, you know, even I look at a, at a Johnson C. Smith who's starting to sort of turn that program around. Um, not a bad season for schools in the state of North Carolina. Again, we had that countdown to kickoff in the month of July. Those interviews are on our website at BoxToRow.com. Let's look at the month of August, and in the month of August, we had a chance to catch up with one of NASCAR's star racers, Brad Keselowski, joining us back in August. I know maybe you're not exactly where you want to be. What does that mean to you to be consistent and be there year in and year out? It's a privilege to be fast and to, to be in that opportunity um you know i started my career uh really simply in cars that didn't have any opportunity to win uh, and that's a really humbling experience because you know i try to explain this to people from time to time 
you know, you, you watch these races and you see the guy that wins. He has the easiest driving race car. On, I'd say 99 times out of 100. It's the guy that's running 30th that's really just fighting his butt off. And he's driving the car, and it's obviously not handling very well. And he's got other cars passing him, and he's trying to, you know, stay out of their way. Uh, and I've been in that spot. Let me tell you, it stinks. Um, so to, to have cars like Roger Penske gives us means that we're competitive. Um, and I don't have to be in that spot. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Um, I hope that continues for my entire career. And, you know, when, when the day comes where I'm in the way, I, I probably don't want to be a, a part of this sport anymore, yeah. if, if you know what I mean. And, and right now I think we're in a spot where I'm going to be very competitive for, for a lot of years. And uh, that, that's a great thing for our team, for myself, for my family. And, and I'm just really thankful for it. Brad Keselowski ultimately ended up finishing eighth in the standings in 2019. You're locked in to the 2019 year-end review show, part two. I'm your host, Donald Ware. Of course, last week we took a look at the months of January through May. Still to come here on the 2019 year-end review show, we got Darius Leonard, Buddy Pugh, we got Tito Jackson, Javon Hargrave, and many, many more. As we're back with the 2019 year-end review show, Happy Holidays. Hey there, this is Kelly Pickler wishing you a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. From the press box to press row. You've all gone the extra mile to revise this. We're in great shape for the client meeting. Thank you all. You're here for others. The urgent care is closed. Should we go to the ER? You know what? I know what to do. We're here for you. That is a little bit higher than normal, but medically, it's not a fever. Oh, good. That's a relief. Have a great day, sweetheart. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) The client loved it. We're approved to move forward. Great job, everyone. Live fearless, North Carolina. All right, enough selling stuff already. Let's talk more sports as we bring you the very best of from the press box to press row. Here's your host, Donald Ware. We're back. It's our 2019 year-end review show here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're going to stay in the month of August. Had a chance to catch up with former National Football League quarterback Jay Cutler and talked with Jay if you remember, recently retired Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck of the Colts had recently retired, had a chance to catch up with Jay Cutler and talk with him about a number of different things, including Luck's retirement. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think as you uh, listen to him talk and get a little bit of uh, perspective and, and take some uh, take a little bit of space, uh, you can see uh, what he's thinking and you can tell that it's a really thought-out process, and it's not something that, um, you know, he just decided on yesterday. It's, it's something that's been building in him, and he's got to respect the way that he's handled it and respect his decision. Yeah, it, for you as a guy that, you know, I mean, caught some criticism, it was no question about your, your play on the field, and particularly 
uh, in Chicago. What are your thoughts on the way that the Colts fans responded on last Saturday when it was announced uh, that he would, in fact, retire? I mean, I think, you know, I think you got to give them a a little bit of a pass. Um, You know, the way uh, way that they were notified wasn't wasn't the best scenario for for them or for Andrew. Um, You know, you wish that, uh, you know, they would have gave Andrew a little more respect and, you know, how, how it was released. You wish they would have gave Andrew more respect in that regard and, and let him do it on his own time. Cause I feel like he's earned that. Um, but I mean, you know, hopefully that's not going to be remembered much longer and, you know, everyone can focus on, um, you know, Andrew and all the, all the good he brought to the game. Do you any, uh, you know, you had a solid, uh, 2017, um, your thoughts on coming out of retirement to sort of come back, uh, with Miami uh, in 2017. You know, I think that was just a, was a special situation that was unique to me. I knew uh, Adam Gase and had known him for numerous years, and um, you know, didn't really have to go to training camp, didn't really have to go through the off season. So it was one of those things I could spend time with my family. And then you know, Ryan unfortunately got hurt right there at, uh, before before the start, and you know, it, it was something that. Uh, it was just unique, and, and it, it was kind of like the perfect situation. Yeah, decent numbers. Would you? Uh, I mean, was there any reason you decided not to 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 come back and play in the National Football League in 2018? Um. Yeah. I mean, my family. Um. You know, I kind of went into it thinking it was just going to be a, a one year thing. Um. You know, I I already moved on. Um. You know, after the Chicago, that uh. You know, that's just kind of where my mindset was. Going down memory lane a little bit with former National Football League quarterback Jay Cutler. Continuing in the month of August and had an opportunity uh, to give my top 100 players uh, of all time that played in the National Football League that went to HBCUs for USA Today. Like it, love it, hate it, not. Uh, You can find that if you do a Google uh, online of USA Today HBCU. Uh, football players is part of the national football. It's part of USA Today's uh, uh, celebration of 100 years, if you will, uh, of the National Football League. But had a chance to catch up with one of the all-time greats in National Football League history. Certainly, he was on my list. Former Jackson State star, linebacker, played 10 seasons in the National Football League, all with the Houston Oilers, Robert Brazil. And being able to be amongst the best players to ever play pro football. It's a couple of things happening. Um, first of all, it's a life-changing award. I mean, once you become a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer for the rest of your life. And the other thing is that football was saying to Robert Brazil, you know, um, me and Walter had a thing, and most of the guys in Jackson, we left it on the field. We're going don't let it be said that. We need to do something else after the game or for the next game. We left it all on the field. And football is saying to us now, we appreciate what y'all did. We love you. And you're in a well-deserving spot by being selected to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no no question. I, I, you know, once you get in, you're in. 
But I, I still got to ask you this because I know when we talked with you, I think it was back in 2015 or 2016, my question for you, one of my first questions for you was, why isn't Robert Brazil in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? You look at the numbers, but not all, just the numbers, the career that you had. Does it, I mean, you're in, but does does is there any thought or does it bother you the fact that uh, you, you weren't in sooner? No, I don't. I mean, you know, you could, uh, after weighing everything, and and I'm going to say this, and I've been saying this all of my life, is that that is such a uh, significant group of guys can only go into the Hall of Fame each year. And it's so many great athletes. You're talking about everybody that plays in the NFL is a professional athlete. They're the best of what they do. And but after you play for so long and you you know you have a good career as some people call it you know for ultimate years and years you got people doing that every year because this is what they get paid for. Yeah, we get paid to perform at our best, and you know to say this one to go need to go in before that one and that one need to go in before this one. It's a very very hard situation uh, uh, you just can't say I can pick this you got to, it's a committee and that, that committee got the hardest job in the whole world is trying to select a group and a class each year to go into the Hall of Fame because you know it and I know it there's always someone else that's deserving to be in the Hall of Fame yeah I mean it, it just shows you know how much particularly at that time how much talent uh, were at the HBCU. Sort of speaking of that, um, play, as you mentioned, played at Jackson State. For, you were the number six overall pick in the 1975 NFL Draft. But t- talk about those days at Jackson State, some of those great players, of course, playing um, in practice against Walter Payton and, and all of that at Jackson State. Well, I mean, every day was like first blood for me. If anybody know, that probably was first blood. Diane Gramner with Eddie Robinson and his guys, First Blood uh, with Coach Markham, First Blood up at Tennessee State, First Blood anywhere that at that time. It was so much raw talent. You know, people don't know what happened when you had people like Bud Adams, the owner of the Houston Oilers, and Tom Williams, this guy Lamar Don from the Pittsburgh Steelers, all these guys that go in to research and to find all that good talent. There was so much talent over there that, you know, I remember Bob Hill saying one time we would play Mississippi State in the first quarter, Ole Miss in the second quarter, and either one of them, they could put both of them teams together. We pull both a pair, both in the third and fourth, and we still come out victorious. <laughs> All-time great linebacker Robert Brazil joining us in August. We rounded out the month of August, switched gears uh, to entertainment, and joining us in the month of August, as a matter of fact, he had a, uh, some new music that has come out a little bit more recently, Tito. Yes, Tito Jackson. Well, but I want to get back to your point about Charles Barkley, because I think a lot of times, and, and, to, and sort of to the point, like, you may have had a, your role to me was as important as any other role with the Jackson 5, whether it was Michael, Jermaine, et cetera, out front. So your role was as important, I think. So, but, but, the, the, so what, can you kind of expound a little bit where you just, did you happen to be watching 
um, TNT one night when Charles Barkley made those comments? Or was that something that someone relayed back to you? And if it was something you were actually watching, I mean, t- tell us how you how that really made you feel. Well, I found it on, on the Internet, actually, on YouTube. And uh, uh, I forget who had mentioned it to me, but I, I, I looked at it and it gave me more motivation more than anything. It didn't, uh, I wasn't upset because uh, Mr. Barkley probably don't know, but I really, I really love the guy as a, as a person uh, on the basketball court, you know, so uh, I, I'm a fan of his. But uh, it, it sort of hurt a little bit when I found out that me being a fan of his as well. But uh, I, I just said to myself, I would like to put the, together a nice album and hopefully uh, Charles will get a chance to hear it and hopefully he'll like it and he can change his opinion about me. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I, I'm, I'm a person that's very quiet. You know, I hardly spoke out for myself when I was a young man. And I'm pretty much like that today. But, you know, I enjoy music. I love music, and I, I, I do mine on stage. And, and that's where I am with the music. And I love blues music as well because I perform with the B.B. King blues band as well. Talk, can you sort of talk a little bit? I mean, I know you're, you guys in the Jacksons have been doing this for so long. Can you kind of talk about what it's like now in terms of your time. I know you guys are on tour. You're set to hit our state in North Carolina, set to hit Atlanta in the next uh, couple of three weeks or so. Can you kind of speak to that and still touring with the Jacksons? Yeah, you know, the Jacksons always has been a fun thing to do. Us being brothers, I think that's one of the things that's made it work this long. You know, we have our, of course, we have our bickers or fights like any other brother or any other singing group has you know but when you're brothers you you're brothers you know you can't run from that you know you have to share the same blood and everything else there we enjoy what we do and we have the most fun on stage we've always said uh being on stage is like being an athlete uh we get our workout on stage and that keeps us young and active and moving and the brothers are all in good shape and we're still loving what we do man you know we want to do this as long as we can we are probably go down like one of the bands like the Rolling Stones who do it until their death or, or, or you have other stars like your B.B. Kings and your Sammy Davises and your Sinatras and so on and David Bowie I can met quite a few who did it until they, the good Lord called us and we enjoy what we do we enjoy it we love it we love the audience and, and thank you to all the millions fans around the world who supported the career throughout the years. I want to get back to, to the Little League baseball. So you must be a big baseball fan then. Yeah, I'm a baseball fan, but I haven't been able to watch the sport as I used to do back in the earlier days, the uh, 70s and 80s, when uh, Garvey and Lopes and, and Dusty Baker and all those guys with Dodgers. I, I didn't miss a game. You know, I went to every game when I was uh, raising my sons, and I was, of course, was the little league at the same time. Yeah, but uh, 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 the music business shied me away from it for a while. But I'm I'm starting to get back into the Dodgers a little, and uh, I know mm. that they having a strong team, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, they do. So, how was Tito Jackson the little league coach? Like, how how good a coach was Tito Jackson in little league? I was a great coach. I thought, <laughs> you know, yeah. Absolutely. I, I understood the kids, you know, me being so young at the time as well. 
and I played little league baseball for a few years as well. So, you know, I know about the peer pressures and all those things and, and making every kid feel he's important to the team. That's what I, I, I was good at doing. And I would, I would let the other coaches in the league choose their players and I'll take what's left. And, but I always wind up with a team that wind up in first place somehow, somehow. <laughs> Not through uh, the, the ability of the kids in the beginning, but just the love that the team had for each other, playing together and learning together. We were able to, con- to conquer a lot with that. You know, you read all of these different things about the Jacksons and, you know, the Jackson 5 coming up and, and all of those things, the movie that came out, the controversial movie that came out, I guess, what, some almost 30 years ago now. Every Michael Jackson was known the world over, but the Jackson five prior to Michael Jackson was as well. I came away from that interview thinking Tito Jackson is a regular person for all of the fame with the Jackson five and beyond. I came away from that interview thinking like he coaches coached his kids in little league baseball. You know what I mean? Like he's was really down to earth and I, you know, I don't, I didn't know what to expect. But, I mean, you talk about really, really down-to-earth like a quote-unquote regular person. <laughs> that certainly was Tito Jackson. It's our 2019 year-end review show. We're just completed, as a matter of fact, with Tito Jackson. The month of August still to come. Darius Leonard, Kyle Bush, Teron Armstead still to come here and others as our 2019 Year-end review show part two rolls on. For the press box to press row and box to row.com, your HBCU sports leader. Huh? Packing the mail, it's gone. Uh, she like I smell cologne. Yeah. I Back with our 2019 year-end yeah, yeah. review show. A little bit oh, early on, good, we played good. some music from Megan the Stallion had a huge year also the baby who's from Charlotte had a huge year as well let's move on now to the month of September the maniac Darius Leonard joined us on the program had another big season for the Colts also talked about his time at South Carolina State I know we talked to you early on uh, in last season can you speak to being able to have that balance? And you talked a little bit about that last year in terms of married life, which is sort of new to you, and then you being able to play football at the highest level. I mean, it's simple. I mean, once once I'm at once I'm at a facility, it's football, football, football. But once I go home, I'm I'm a family man, so I got to be a loving husband, a, lo- a loving uh, father. So it's so easy to kind of separate the two because once I'm at the other place. The other one go out the window. What is fatherhood like? It's great, man. I mean, it's it's much more than I expected. So I mean, I'm loving it. I'm learning day in and day out how to how to be a loving loving father and being being able to be there to support her and uh, give her everything she needs in life. Darius Leonard joins us here on the program. How did you get the name Maniac? I'm coming after uh, my junior year playing against Clemson. Uh, coming on uh, coming on the campus. They said I'll play like a straight maniac, and I kind of went from there um, after someone said it, and I just kept the name and 
ran with it. You know, you look at uh, some guys in the league that played at HBCU. So you look at Tariq Cohen and what he's doing with the Bears. You look at your former teammate, uh, Javon Hargrave, and what he's doing with Pittsburgh. And now um, what you're doing. What does it mean to you to be part, to have gone to an HBCU and be part of that elite group? Oh, very proud, man. Especially, um, you know, coming from HBCU where people say that there's no such thing as guys uh, coming out of HBCU and being good in the NFL. So, we're coming out, we, we're proving everybody wrong, especially you see it with Hargrave, you see it with Joe Thomas, you see it with all the all the HBCU guys, and then Tariq Cohen going to the Pro Bowl last year from HBCU. So it's letting you know no matter where you go, HBCU guys are putting putting guys in the league, and we're making a, we're making a stamp on it. Is this what you sort of envisioned in terms of coming into South Carolina State? Um, because if you look at it back in the day, wasn't there a lot of choices in terms of schools we had to go to. You almost had to go to an HBCU. But is this what you envisioned coming into South Carolina State some now six years ago and having that success to be able to play in the National Football League? Yeah. Oh, man, honestly, man, coming to South Carolina State, man, I, I didn't have any visions of the NFL, honestly. Man. I was just coming in, just competing and trying to get my degree. And then maybe year, year three, year four, that's when my, my vision got bigger, and that's when I started looking up for the NFL. Yeah, doesn't that make it more satisfying? Because your initial thought was to come in and get that degree, and now look where you are. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what um, I wanted to come in and do, uh, just come in, do everything I could for the Bulldogs, you know, give it, give it my all day in and day out, and let them know that they didn't, they didn't have a fluke uh, on giving me a scholarship, and I wanted to prove that I can play at any level. Yeah, do you guys, it's a couple of you guys that came from HBCUs, Chester Rogers from Grambling, Grover Stewart from Albany State. Do you guys have that really, that HBCU camaraderie? Oh, yeah, without a doubt, especially me and Chester, you know, both playing BAG and the swag and uh, going against each other, just talking. So we, we always talk trash. I mean, I always think that MEAC has the best athletes, which is absolutely true. I mean, we have the best quarterbacks, best athletes, best skill guys, so – I tell them that's one thing that made me so great playing against great skills out there in open field. That's what made my tackling great. So I always, always say HBCU got the best guys. <laughs> Sounds like some trash talking, man. So how does he defend the swag? Oh, man, we, man, I'll tell him that the swag, you know, you don't always say, man, to me, I can way better than the swag. You know, that's how it goes. So, I mean, he, he always say that we, we, we can't beat them. So, I mean, it's always competition. You know how it is in the bowl game in, in Atlanta. So we always talk trash to each other. Yeah, no doubt. Lastly, man, what are some of your fondest memories of South Carolina State? I gotta say, um, my my memories, man, definitely played with you, you know, and then stepping stepping on that field every every Saturday for the Bulldogs, and and having having the stands and they're rocking and just playing playing for that Bulldog family. The maniac Darius Leonard, starting linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, joining us in the month of September had another great season for the Colts moving on to the month of October but it's a big month when you look at September and October for South Carolina State we've had many coaches on the program this year uh we had the box to row co coach of the year in Buddy Pugh of South Carolina State joined us in the month of October here on the program when i say 18 seasons does it feel like that no uh it, it, it really doesn't and this team has been one of our better teams both the way they handle themselves it's, it's just been a fun outfit to work with so it really makes it seem like just yesterday that we got started 
Yeah. Now, you were set to retire um, after the end of last season. What ultimately led you to come back? Uh, tried to win a few more games, uh, more than anything else. And uh, just not re- not just being ready to uh, retire. So, uh, you know, we talked it out. The university felt like it would be best for me to come back and you know, if you got an employer who wants to keep you going and you kind of want to keep going, then you sort of agree. So at that point, we decided we keep it working. Yeah, no question about it. And, of course, right now you're tied with Willie Jeffries for the most wins in the history of the school. You're an alum. He's an alum. Um, you know, what does that what does that mean to you to be tied right now and on the verge of, 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 of not, for lack of a better word, besting Willie Jeffries in terms of the all-time wins in South Carolina state history? Well, it, it means that we've had a lot of great relationships, a lot of friends, a lot of help. And uh, you get back to all of the different players that you've had and assistant coaches, you know, even administrators and people that have been involved in your program. It's just been a wonderful experience, Donald. And uh, I don't know if I can actually say that I deserve having this opportunity for as many years for as long as I've had a chance to to uh, do what we've been what we've been doing here coach Pugh came back his hunch was right ultimately the Bulldogs shared the MEAC championship with North Carolina A&T and as I mentioned before Buddy Pugh named Box to Row co-coach of the year along with Bowie State's head football coach Damon Wilson We'll continue in the month of October, continue with South Carolina State. Earlier you heard from Darius Leonard. You just heard from Buddy Pugh. How about now hearing from Javon Hargrave, starting defensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, also formerly of South Carolina State. Um, But for you to have six sacks last year, 49 tackles, can you speak to that in the season that you had in 2018, your best uh, as a professional? I mean, it was, it was a great year for me. Um, I, I like to say it was my coming out party. So it's just, um, I mean, I knew I could do it, but just to be able to do it is just a great feeling. Um, just to show everybody uh, what I can produce um, in this league. But it's just, it just really made me hungry because now it's just more of can I do it again and um, can I have a season like that again and can I be better than I was last year? So it's a really um, make that challenge for me even bigger this year and got me working harder than ever uh, just to show again. Yeah, no question about it. A couple of more thoughts with Javon Hargrave of the Pittsburgh Steelers who joins us here on the program. Uh, not that long ago, you were at South Carolina State, as I mentioned, two-time uh, Willie Davis Boxer National Defensive Player of the Year. What do you remember about those uh, those days at South Carolina State? Man, it was just so much fun, man. I just uh... – Look at them now, just just bringing back so many memories, just uh, just just dominating, man, just having a lot of fun with my teammates, man. It's just it was a credible time. Um, I I try to get back whenever I can and go visit them and just come to the games because it was just that's where I grew up at and that's what kind of made me who I am today. Just going through the things I went through there, so it was just it was just I don't know, it was a joy. I call all my old teammates like Darius and just anybody around there all my old teammates Antonio and them just we just reminisce about them days at South Carolina State so I just I miss it (laughs) 
I really appreciate it and really miss it right now. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it was great. It was great. I had a lot of fun there. A lot of good games. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot. You know, lot I'm gonna tell you. The, let me tell you the the game that comes to my mind. The game when Bethune Cookman was the favorite. This was 2014, and you had something like six tackles for loss in that game. It was an absolutely dominating game. You remember that game? That, that may have been your best oh, game yeah, in South Carolina State. Yeah, that was my best one. <laughs> I tell everybody about that one. I tell, tell my kids about that game. That was. That was my put on coming. That was my 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 put me on game right there. That was my coming out game. <laughs> that was one of my best game ever. So yeah. of course I remember that one. Yeah, it was six sacks too. My six TFA. Oh my bad. No, I don't want to short you. Yeah, I don't want to short you. Six sacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't forget that. <laughs> Javon Hargrave correcting me, letting me know it wasn't just six tackles for loss in that game back in 2014. It was six sacks in the ball game. We continue on talking with former HBCU players now playing in the National Football League, and we continue in the month of October. Chester Rogers, and you know, we've had a, a, a you talk about the Colts and Chester Rogers joined us in October, and, of course, he played his collegiate football at Grambling. Yeah. What about last year, though, the 53 receptions? I mean, that was 30 more than you had back in 2017. Speak. I know it was last year. We're five games into the season, getting ready to be the sixth game, but talk about the banner year in your third year in the National Football League. Again, you're you're a guy halfway to 100 catches that was undrafted. Yeah, I mean, it was just... You know, whenever your number's called, man, just make a play. And and I had a lot of opportunities last year. You know, I had a great chemistry with, uh, with Andrew. And, and like I said, we just I just took – I felt like I needed to take a big step, you know, going into my third year. And uh, I had a pretty good year last year. So I'm just trying to build off of that. Your former teammate at Grambling, Chad Williams, now part of the practice squad there with the Colts, were you instrumental in getting him to Indianapolis? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I had to talk to my guy. Uh, he had a few options, you know, um, after, you know, unfortunately getting released from the Cardinals. And this is one of the ones. And I, I reached out to him and, and told him, man, come be a part of this. It's, it's a great situation over here. we got a great room and a great chance, you know, to go all the way. So he made the decision, and now we're back together. Yeah, no, that's awesome because he's going to get his opportunity to play. You're getting your opportunity to play. How great would that be for you all? Uh, you know, you did great things at Grambling, won a swag, uh, you know, won a, uh, a well, well, that's right. You weren't part of that team. But, again, you were building towards that SWAC championship. How great would that be for you all to be able to do it on this level? Man, that would be great. I think that would be the first time in Grambling history that two, you know, former players you know, on the same team, same game. So I'm looking forward to it. I think the fans want to see it. And if the opportunity presents itself, we'll be ready, man, to make it happen. Yeah. What do you remember most about that time at Grambling? Again, I, now I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were part of that 2013 team where, where you know, the guys uh, decided not to play a game that year and then the rebuilding process happened. And, of course, your last year was 2016. But Broderick Fobbs and you guys were doing something great with which ultimately led to the 2017 SWAC championship. So what do you remember most about those days at Grambling? Those days were just character-building days. We went through so much. Uh, that was my sophomore year where the boycott happened. But I learned so much about myself and, and just how to you know, persevere and, and 
so, you know, being on the next level, you're going to see things, but it really it doesn't affect me because I went through so much in college, and, and I really appreciate those days where we had to struggle at Grambling, and it felt good when we were uh, back on top, you know, at the program. So those days, man, I, I really cherish them. Former Grambling State star, now wide receiver with the Indianapolis Colts, Chester Rogers. Still to come here on our 2019 year-end review show, a couple of more HBCU or former HBCU players now playing in the National Football League, Daryl Johnson, Teron Armstead, plus a couple of NASCAR drivers, William Byron, and the 2019 Cup Series champion, Kyle Busch, as the 2019 year-end review show here on Box to Row rolls on. You've all gone the extra mile to revise this. We're in great shape for the client meeting. Thank you all. You're here for others. The urgent care is closed. Should we go to the ER? You know what? I know what to do. We're here for you. That is a little bit higher than normal, but medically, it's not a fever. Oh, good. That's a relief. Have a great day, sweetheart. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) The client loved it. We're approved to move forward. Great job, everyone. Live fearless, North Carolina. BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports. BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. The best and brightest are with us every week from the press box to press row. But don't take our word for it. Sit back and enjoy more of our look on the air with Donald Ware. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press for our last segment of 2019. It's our 2019 year-end review show. NASCAR, we had a lot of NASCAR drivers. William Byron, one of the younger drivers on the circuit, joined us. In October, as we round out the month of October here on the program. NASCAR, I mean, you were 2015 Rookie of the Year in the K&N, 2016 Camping World Truck Series Rookie of the Year, 2017 NASCAR Xfinity, you know, last year Rookie of the Year in, in on the big boy circuit, Monster Energy. Sp- speak to that and just sort of your meteoric rise here in NASCAR as a whole, uh, which has, again, led to the success in Again, as a 21-year-old driver, uh, you are participating in the playoffs in your second year on as a full-time driver. Yeah, I've been really thankful to kind of fortunately kind of come up through the ranks pretty pretty quickly. Um, you know, it's kind of uh, the the first year that I started racing, I wasn't expecting to, to have you know the success, and just really wanted to pursue it as as fun and and um, hopefully something I could do as much as possible. But um, I was kind of thankful after right after that that you know I, I kept advancing up through the ranks and um that ultimately led to more opportunities so uh yeah i was extremely thankful for kind of you know getting through the ranks like i did and i feel like i learned enough at each each step of the way to kind of transition to the next one and um you know definitely the cup series is a big step but um you know hopefully i can continue to race at this level for for a while william byron ended up finishing 11th in the NASCAR Cup Series, the month of November. Boy, the Nationals won the World Series. I grew up an Orioles fan, but I'm all about Washington. And uh, congratulations to the Nationals. Also, the previous month, uh, the Mystics won the WNBA 
championship. Uh, Daryl Johnson, formerly of North Carolina A&T, joined us on the program. He was the 2018 Boxer Willie Davis Defensive Player of the Year, now playing with the Buffalo Bills. So your senior year to enter the National Football League draft, what is it that, that led you to make that decision? Man, uh, just, just a business decision, you know. Uh, a lot of things, you know, I, I'll forever end up in North Carolina and t but, you know, a lot of things could have happened. I could have went back and got hurt or didn't have the year that I had, you know, or didn't get defense player of the year, things like that. So I just made, I, I just prayed about it, and God said, don't, you know, told me not to go with my comfortable decision because going back to A&T was comfortable for me instead of going with, you know, I'm going with something uncomfortable and see where it takes me, and that's what I went with. I went with the uncomfortable decision and just worked my butt off, man. I knew I had to work. I was When I started training, I was 2.30 light, so I'm like, dang, you know, people looking at me kind of crazy. <laughs> work. I worked my butt off, stepped on the scale at the combine. I was like 2.53. So, you know, things just worked out, man. Just God is good. God is good. Indeed, as Daryl Johnson has a, a, a solid season in his rookie year learning. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are playing tremendous, particularly defensively. And also in the month of November, one of the best offensive linemen left tackles in all of football, Teron Armstead, formerly of Arkansas Pine Bluff, joined us on the program. Protecting Drew Brees, man. Talk about Drew Brees, the relationship you guys have and then ultimately, I mean, you, you're his blindside guy, and you've been doing it for now seven seasons. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. It's been amazing. You know, working with a Hall of Fame player, uh, first ballot Hall of Fame, arguably the greatest ever at his position, you know. So it's it's been amazing to just be around, you know, quite a guy, uh, an accomplished player, and uh, just a great person. I mean, and it's a stressful job. It's a stressful job description <laughs> you. <laughs> You're protecting someone so beloved and, and and a Hall of Famer, and you just you don't want to you don't want to let them get touched at all, you know. And it's it's tough. It's tough battle, battling with these guys that that get after the, the passer at a at a high rate, and so it's 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 a lot, you know. Trying not to let this man get touched, and most of the time he won't see it, so that's even more added pressure, you know. To Ron Armstead, I had him ranked in my list, my USA Today list, as one of the the top. Uh, NFL players to have gone to an HBCU. Lastly, just a couple of weeks ago here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Kyle Busch, 2019 NASCAR Cup Series champion, joined us on the program. We, of course, talked about what it meant to win the championship, but we had to get to some other business first. The real question, though, Kyle, first and foremost, is how do you win the WWE 24-7 title and then lose it immediately, almost immediately? Yeah, well, um, <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was a tough loss for sure. I'm just glad that uh, at least on my resume, I can put down former WWE champion. So. <laughs> you know what tickled me, though, Kyle? I, I didn't see it live, but uh, what, what sort of tickled me when uh, when it was RJ came came from behind, all of a sudden you saw a referee come into the picture and count you down. Yeah, no, I didn't even see those guys coming. <laughs> I was just uh, celebrating with my two trophies and having a good night doing some selfie videos and then let Michael go get the car ready because I knew they'd be coming after us, but I didn't expect it to be that quick. So, um, you know, it was, it was, I don't know, it was about an hour's worth of, uh, of celebrating. And then, um, 
a whole night's worth of um, diminished feelings. Kyle Busch, the WWE 24-7 champion for like two hours. Before we wrap up our 2019 year-end review show here on the program, I want to thank all of our affiliates that carry from the press box to press row WASU out of Albany, Georgia, KTTP in Alexandria, Louisiana, WELE in Daytona Beach, WVCD, Denmark, Orangeburg, Bamberg, South Carolina, Buzz Sports Radio out of Durham and Raleigh, WRVS in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, also WJXY Rejoice out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, KGRM in Grambling, Louisiana, WGNL in Greenwood, Mississippi, WNAA in Greensboro, WVSD in Ada Bina, Mississippi, WJSU out of Jackson, Mississippi, WLCD in Jackson, Tennessee, KALU in Langston, Oklahoma, WLBG out of Lawrence in Greenwood, Spartanburg, Greenville, South Carolina, WPRL in Larman, Mississippi carries the program, WKRA, Holly Springs, Mississippi slash Memphis, Tennessee. WXVI out of Montgomery, Alabama. WFSK in Nashville, Tennessee carries the program. KAUP out of Pine Bluff, Arkansas. WGBN, one of our oldest affiliates out of Pittsburgh, carries the program. Hot 97.9 in Raleigh. Sports Talk 97.7 out of Rustin, Monroe, Louisiana, as well as KRUS. WURK in Tampa, Florida carries the program. WGNG in Chula, Mississippi. WHUR out of Washington, D.C. WWIL out of Wilmington, North Carolina. WTAL in Tallahassee, Florida. WBCP out of Urbana, Illinois also carries the program to our online radio stations that carry the program, including Big Game Christian Sports Network. Of course, our satellite carriers, Sirius XM Channel 141, HUR Voices, and Sirius XM Channel 142, HBCU. Thank you to all of our affiliates that have carried the program in 2019 and throughout the years. Thank you to you, the listener, for making From the Press Box to Press Row, what it is, your support of the program in our now 14 and a half years on the air. Also, thank you to our sponsors uh, and their support this year and throughout the course uh, over the years of From the Press Box to Press Row. We've had what I think is a phenomenal 2019. Looking forward to some really big things continuing in 2020. And I mean this with everything that's in me. Always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. You believe in something for your heart. It shall come to pass. I see.